Can you remember a time that you felt like you were wandering, maybe lost almost? I know I can. I know that there's been many times where growing up we would take road trips. And, and maybe you're like me, maybe you can remember those times where before GPS there was this lovely website called MapQuest. And before you actually left for your trip, you had to go on and you had to print out the directions of when to turn and what roads and the streets that you need and all of that stuff. And maybe there's even some of us that you grew up in a time where as you were driving, you would pull out the actual foldable map. You know what I'm talking about? And you would navigate in that way. I remember a road trip where with my grandfather and he pulled that out and I, I was totally lost. There's these moments though that we can remember these times of the road trips, the MapQuest trips. And as you're driving, it was on the co-pilot, the person sitting in the passenger seat to help you navigate. And they'd have to announce upcoming turns and, hey, in, in two miles, we're going to have to turn here or whatever it might be. Don't forget this highway. Don't forget this exit. And maybe for some of us in those moments, you've missed a turn. And in typical Michigan fashion, we don't say, hey, you missed the exit. It's the question of, yo, wh where are you going? Maybe you've been there. But now in, in today's world, we have this thing called GPS. Many of us, it, it means it's right on our phones. And you basically just plug in the, the address and you hit go and it takes you exactly where you're going. It announces in 2.5 miles, turn right. We've moved from trusting one another, a person, a relationship, to trusting just something that is made by man. It leads me to a question reflecting on this psalm today of who do we trust? It, more specifically, what guides you in your life today? What guides you? See, many times in Scripture, God refers to his people, refers to us as sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd, and we are his sheep. The people who follow God are sheep. The, the lost people are sheep, and the shepherd leaves the 99 to go find and save the one. But here's what's interesting is, if you look back at the, the historical context and if you understand sheep, we have to understand something very important about sheep. And here's what it is. Don't miss this. Sheep are animals that are known for maybe one thing and one thing only. It's their dependence on their shepherd. Their dependence on their shepherd. You see, sheep are actually not the brightest animals, believe it or not. They can't and they don't do many things on their own. They're not the smartest. They're not the bravest. They're not the strongest. They're, they're basically just big bundles of wool wandering around, aren't they? You see, but David, the author of Psalms, would know this. He, he understood this, actually, to the core. David, growing up, was the youngest in his family, and he was then essentially appointed the, the role, the job of shepherd for his family's flock. He had many uh, older brothers, and so being the youngest, it fell on him to be the shepherd boy. 
And what's interesting is that he would remember these, these moments in the field, in the pastures. He would remember the moments where he would have to guide the sheep and instruct them what ways to go. He would remember the moments where he would have to provide for them. He would remember the moments where he was just a shepherd boy. And we have to also remember that David as a shepherd that's when he was appointed king. That's when he was anointed to be the next king. The prophet would come and he would go to Jesse, David's father, and he would go through all of his brothers and God did not anoint any one of them. And when the prophet asked Jesse, uh, surely you must have another son. And Jesse, David's dad, didn't even refer to him as a name. It was just, well, my youngest is out in the field. Well, go send for him. Bring him back. And as David came in, he got anointed to be the next king. But here's what's interesting is, in the moment of the anointing, David would leave that moment and would go back to the fields to be a shepherd. David knew all too well the roles, the responsibilities, the heart of a shepherd. And the psalm that we're in today is probably a psalm that many of us have actually heard before. It's probably a psalm that many of us have maybe even shared with other people before. This is a psalm uh, that oftentimes is shared at a funeral. Psalm 23. It's a psalm that when we share it, when we speak about it, a lot of times it's a psalm that we try to bring comfort to those who are mourning, to bring warmth and hope to those who are searching and feeling cold and, and lost. I just did a memorial service not, not that many days ago, and, and I read this psalm. I talked about this psalm. A psalm that brings comfort in the times of distress and hurts. A psalm that brings hope in the times of trouble and need. A psalm that many of us Many of us probably have emotions tied to this psalm. And so as we dig into Psalm 23 today, I want to invite us and ask us to open our hearts to, to maybe just ask God, God, what are you speaking to me in this psalm today? What are you guiding me to today through this psalm? Where are you leading me? And so I think if, if we just take a moment and we have that posture, I think God is going to speak. I believe God is going to speak to us in this psalm today. And so as we read this psalm, I want to invite you into the presence of God. Let him speak to you today. Hear his word and know that he is leading you and guiding you in powerful ways. And so we're going to kind of go individually, uh, verse kind of by verse, almost maybe a few chunks here and there. And we're going to dive into this psalm, Psalm 23. And so the first thing we got to understand is this, is, is this whole psalm has a tone that is, is not just a future tense. It's not just a, this is what will happen. This whole psalm is also a present tense. It's a tense that says we are here in the moment. God is here in the moment with us. And we can take comfort knowing that God, the good shepherd, is presently with us, guiding us. It's not just this future off idea that one day he will do this. 
It's an active moment right now. So join me. If uh, Open your Bibles. Go on and pull it up on the screen next to you, whatever it might be. Psalm 23, I want to read verses 1 through 3 real quick. And I want you to join me in that. This is what it says. The Lord is my shepherd, and I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. It's very interesting that God would identify with being a shepherd. Like we said earlier, a shepherd is a pretty lowly position. It was served and and held by the youngest in the family, the youngest male in the family, or a servant hired in. It was a lowly of lowly jobs, but yet God identifies with the heart of a shepherd. It's an occupation that would be smelly, dirty, and really regarded as one that's not valuable and value to, to hold, so to say. But here's what's interesting is that God chooses to be our shepherd. He chooses to be our shepherd. He chooses to come down and be with us as his sheep. He chooses to do life actively with his sheep. He dwells with them. A shepherd would live with his sheep. He would move with them and and essentially live with them in in some ways. John 1, you know, where it literally talks about like how God came and he moved into the neighborhood and he dwelled within us. He put on flesh and bones and he came here. God chooses to be our shepherd. He chooses to provide all that we want and all that we could need. Here's what's interesting is that when you start to understand sheep, we start to understand that sheep don't know what it needs until it's almost too late. Like a sheep doesn't know that it will need rest or water until the shepherd leads it to a place where it will take a rest and drink of the water. They, they don't know where to go. They just kind of wander around aimlessly. That's why the story of the, the lost sheep is so relatable because they're just wandering around aimlessly until the shepherd seeks them and finds them and brings them back. Sheep need a shepherd who knows what they need. Sheep need a shepherd who knows where to take them. And sheep need a shepherd who will protect them and do life with them. Philip Keller, who wrote a book, it's called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. He puts it this way, and I find it so intriguing when I read this quote. He puts it this way. Sheep do not lie down easily, and they will not unless four conditions are met. Because they are timid, they will not lie down if they are afraid. Because they are social animals, they will not lie down if there's friction among other sheep. If flies and parasites trouble them, they will not lie down. And finally, if sheep are anxious about food or hungry, they will not lie down. So basically summing it up, he puts it this way. Rest comes for the sheep because the shepherd has dealt with fear, friction, flies, and famine in their lives. If this is not the perfect picture of Christ and what he has done for us, then I don't know what is. Because as as Christ does this in our lives, as the shepherd does this in the sheep lives, it leads to a place that is a restored soul. 
That's, that's exactly what David wrote about. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths. It's a restored soul. It's a soul that has brought back to him. Because the shepherd leads them to what they need in their life. Our shepherd knows exactly where to take us and when to take us there. But for many of us in our lives, we're still asking ourselves the question of, well, what's really guiding me and what am I trusting to guide me in life? For many of us, we may be over in this camp saying that what's guiding me is the culture. What's guiding me is the media. What's guiding me is my phone, my laptop, my tablet. What's guiding me is the things of the world. But God is inviting us to be over here and to say, what's guiding me is my shepherd. Because he knows what I need. And he knows when I need it. And he knows how to provide it for me. So ultimately, as we reflect on this, it's that biggest question today is, what is guiding you in life? What are you trusting in your life? And David continues in the psalm in verse 4, and he talks about, it's kind of this, this turn a little bit. And he says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, the shadow of death, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they protect me and they comfort me. When we picture this mental picture, this image of a valley, we, we a lot of times will picture almost two massive mountains maybe on either side and then the very deepest part of the valley. And a lot of times when we picture a valley, we picture it still with these Nice green pasture, grass type of fields that the sun might be shining and you have these wildflowers and all this stuff. But have you ever been in a valley when a storm comes in? Have you ever been in a valley when the winds rush in? Like, have you ever been in a valley when the mental picture does not match your physicalness of where you're standing. Have you ever been in a valley when everything around you just seems to be falling apart? You see, because in a valley, when a storm comes in, it will come over the mountain and it literally will stay in the valley because it will bounce from one side to another, to another, to another, and it'll start to almost swirl and the winds will get more and more powerful and they won't stop. It's almost as if it just won't break until there's just this little exit that it finally takes, but it takes so long to get the storm out of the valley. And when you're in the valley and the storm is raging and the winds are swirling, it seems like you can't go anywhere. You yourself feel broken and hurt and searching. What's also interesting is if you're in a war and you're in a valley, it's one of the worst places to be. Because in a valley, your enemy can surround you on basically all sides. It's the worst place. 
You're open and you're vulnerable to attacks. You almost feel helpless. But here's what's interesting. Take a closer look at what the words David uses here. The shadow of the valley of death. David says it's the shadow. It's not death itself. And here's why is that and why it's so important to understand this. It's the shadow. It's not death itself. You see, the shadow casts itself on David as he's walking through it. It's not a final destination. David and the sheep were not designed and we were never planned to stay in the valley. And our shepherd knows that. This is a a thing that we're passing through. We're not finally here yet. It's not our final destination. And David is speaking in the moment that we can relate to when we feel that the shadow of a certain job loss and hardship is casting over us. Or when we feel the shadow of broken relationships staring us directly in the face. When we feel the shadow of hurting hearts longing for answers to doubt that have crept in. When we feel the shadow and the storms in the valley, we know that we can face the shadow of death because Christ himself took on the fullness of death. We can face the shadow of death because Christ took on death itself and Christ won. We only see the shadow Because he broke death itself. And here's what's so intriguing to me is that as David is writing with the imagery of a shepherd in the sheep, it's intriguing to me that he says, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. The purse intimate relationship, shepherd and sheep. And, And shepherd's presence, the shepherd's presence doesn't eliminate the presence of evil itself, but it eliminates the fear of evil. He says, I can can take comfort knowing that you are here with me. I don't have to be afraid. The presence of evil itself might be here, but I can overcome because you are near. And as we look and face the shadows of life, we can take comfort knowing that our Savior, our shepherd is near to us. And he's with us. He's guiding us through the valley. As the storms are are moving and bouncing, as the winds are swirling, the shepherd is guiding us. The things of the world are not. The things of the media are not guiding us. The shepherd is walking beside us with his rod and his staff, tools that are used to protect and guide. And David continues to finish in this psalm. He continues in verses 5 and 6. Remember, we're coming directly out of the valley here. And this is what he says. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. And surely your goodness and your unfailing love will pursue me all of the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. As David is still in the valley, as David is exiting kind of the valley, he says that, He can see God preparing a table 
before him and before his enemies. It's a table that God provides still in the presence of the enemy. And it's intriguing because here God is not only providing for David, but yet still protecting him from what is surrounding him and all around him. It's a moment where God is doing both, not just either or. And we can feast in God's presence knowing that he provides perfect security in his presence. And when David references this, that he says that you prepare a table before me, this table is a representative of of there's bountiful food, there's a, a feast. And God prepares it, which means there's foresight and there's care. And it's before me, it's a personal connection. Dinner tables are a personal place. When you have people over for for dinner and for meals, family gatherings. The table is a personal place. It's where stories are shared. It's where lives together meet and start to mesh. It's personal. In this psalm, it ends with an insurance that we will dwell in the presence of the Lord. Both currently and in the future. It's both for the here and the now, as well as for the tomorrows and the months ahead. Whatever shadows we may be facing, we dwell in his presence. And we can take comfort knowing that God is our shepherd guiding us and leading us through the valley, through the storms. And he sees ahead of us, and he's preparing the feast, the table, And he's inviting us into his presence to eat with him. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that I have a shepherd who leads us. A shepherd who has the foresight and the knowledge to know where where I need to go and what I need in my life. I'm thankful that I don't just have to trust the things of the world to get me to the places in life. Because if this is my only hope, if this is my only thing that I trust in that is guiding my life, I may never feel like I make it out of the valley. But when I put my hope and my trust and my faith in the shepherd, the good shepherd, I know that he will lead me through the valley. I know that he will lead me to places of rest. I know that he will lead me to places where I can feast. And he will lead me to places in his presence where I can just be. But maybe for some of us today, Maybe for some of us, you feel like you're just in that valley. Maybe for some of us, we can remember those times that we have felt like we are in the valley. Where the world doesn't seem to give you a break to even breathe. It's one storm after another after another. The storms of life follow over and over and over again. You, you can hear and you can feel the wind swirling all around you. It feels like everything is against you. The valley is surrounding you and you feel as if there's no escape. There's no place to find refuge. There's, there's no place to go. But then you can remember that you have a good shepherd who knows exactly 
where you need to go, exactly what steps and paths you need to take. And he's going to journey with you through this valley because you don't stay in the valley. You just pass through. So today, I just want to ask you two simple questions that I want to encourage you to reflect on. Number one is, what do you need to start to trust the good shepherd over yourself? What do you need to to trust the good shepherd with over your own desires, your own will, and your own self? And the second question is this, is what do you need to repent of the things that you have been guiding you instead of the good shepherd? What are the things maybe in your life that have been guiding you? And you need to come before the shepherd and you need to say, forgive me. I've been trusting the things of the world rather than trusting you in your heart. Maybe for some of us that's media. Maybe for some of us that's certain voices that we hear. Maybe for some of us that's certain circles that we're walking in. What do we need to repent of that have been guiding us rather than the good shepherd? He is a good shepherd. And he knows exactly what you need when you need it. Trust his heart when he guides you to the green pastures, to the streams, and to the places of rest in his presence. Father, I ask that right now you would just continue to speak directly to us. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Hear us as we repent of the things that we've maybe put before you and allowed to guide us in this life. Father, I ask that you would just remove those. And I ask that you would just come and that you would pick us up as your sheep when we are wandering, Lord, and you would bring us back, bring us back to the path that we are called to walk on. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are, for being a shepherd who loves us deeply, who wants to do life with us, and who knows exactly what we need when we need it, Lord. We thank you for preparing the the table, the feast before us, Lord. And we thank you for protecting us as we are in the valley. Father, we thank you ultimately for taking on death itself so that we can experience life in the full to you, in you, Lord. And so God, we just give you our hearts. We give you our hearts and our, our, our lives and our families. And we pray this in your name. Amen.